Welcome to the Lead From Within podcast. My name is Jane Mystery. This podcast is a vehicle for you to live true to yourself and live true to your greatness. In this episode, I interview Pooja Mokhtal. Pooja is an author, podcaster, and essayist whose topics include contribution, ancient philosophy, meditation, nature, and well-being. Her ideas help bridge the gap between the karmic influences of the natural world and the restlessness of our modern day material world. Her belief is that only with a calm mind can we live extraordinary lives, both collectively and individually. In this episode, Pooja and I have a conversation about how we can develop a calm mind and the importance of being calm and free in our everyday lives. Enjoy the episode. Pooja, we've obviously had a few conversations in the past. Um, welcome yeah. to the Lead From Within podcast. I'm really excited to have you on here. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Given your work, given the place you come from um, in terms of your work and your your mission in life. So yeah, thank you for being here with us. Do you want to give a quick introduction to, to your story, to your journey? I think I, I was just briefly saying prior to recording, even though we've spoken a few times, uh, I, I don't think I've, I've even asked you too much about the, the, the journey that you've been on. So I'm, I'm, I'm also curious. So yeah, I'll, I'll, give, I'll hand over the mic to you for now. Yeah, sure. Life history is, is long, but I'll give the Cliff Notes version. Um, I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, the college town of the University of Michigan and grew up there, went to college there, um, ended up um, investment banking in uh, the late 90s. So 1999 um, uh, into the 2000s. And that was my first uh, career uh, journey um, after college. After that, I felt there was a little bit of a disconnect between what my soul was telling me Mm. and what I was doing on a day-to-day basis in the investment banking world. And I think I'm not alone. This happens to so many people and um, looking for transitions or looking for ways to sync my life more with my soul ended up going to London School of Economics, getting a master's in international relations. I've always been interested in in international affairs. And from there, I ended up living in London for several years, meeting my husband, which he would become my husband, and um, then taking more of of this kind of journey back into banking in, in different parts, capital markets, um, other areas of the bank, and then slowly understanding that that my passions really were lying in well-being. I was always interested in protecting my well-being, and I I wasn't feeling as though my well-being was healthy in these in these areas. My mental and my emotional, my spiritual, physical, all of that wasn't being met. I ended up looking into food, healthy food, and going into uh, a career uh, training program, getting a degree in uh, in whole foods at the National Gourmet Institute in New York City. And that was my first kind of 
light bulb that went off that said, I really love this, this work, this work where we are trying to sustain ourselves, help ourselves become our best through natural means. And, and at that point it was food. And I loved this idea of being able to cook and eat unprocessed foods, foods that weren't the, the foods we grew up on, the processed foods that we were surrounded by. So I ended up writing a book called The Three-Day Reset that would help the average American, average Westerner transition from processed food or stand, the standard American diet, the SAD diet to yeah, yeah. a whole unprocessed food diet. And that was called the three-day reset. And that was in 2012, 2014. Um, continuing to get into health, I started to dabble into meditation at that time and also then started to raise my family. And so um, had my first child at that time. And um, I think it was during that time that I came across pranayama and meditation and the ancient Indian uh, Eastern philosophies around uh, mental health and wellness. And, and that really, um, I think, catapulted me or really thrust me into the world of, of um, asking the questions of what is it that we're here to do? The big questions that so many of us eventually mm -hmm. reach, what is the purpose of my life? And how should I be looking at the world and the rest of my life, the next X amount of decades I have? And getting to um, the philosophical um, ideas of life. And I think that's what really brought me to um, starting the Common Free Podcast, doing the work that I'm doing now, the deep work and um, and, and asking these, these harder questions. Mm. Wow, what a journey. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. During that journey, did you have to redefine your definition of success and if so when was that and what was your definition of success if if that was the case yeah you know I always say at the end of my podcast that my definition of success has changed so many times in my life mm. um, I, I've also lived around the world and and been able to experience so many different countries and cultures in the world I've, I've lived in London Los Angeles um, Connecticut, New York, several times, Southern and Northern California. And when I was younger, I would say the definition of success was certainly so much more focused on recognition. Mm. Um, what I looked like in the eyes of others, um, my, um, my self-worth as it relates to how society defines success, which is more of fame, wealth, um, social status, all of that. And, and I think um, unless you really can be honest with yourself, um, it's, it's, it's hard to see that. And, and, and a lot of people are stuck mm. that um, and in every age level. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of the twenties, uh, early thirties for me, for sure. Yeah. Cause even during your journey, I mean, 
leaving the world of investment banking, would would you say that was, I mean, that's quite a courageous thing to do um, and, and obviously pursuing a, a path of your soul and, you know, and pursuing a path that was more aligned with who you really are. How was that journey or how, how was that time when you, when you were leaving that, that role in investment banking and was it easy? Was it hard? What was going through your mind at the time? I think for me, it was really easy mm. because I had come out right of kind of this bull market in finance where um, people were staying at the office all night, you know, sleeping right. under their desks, um, getting in at, you know, seven o'clock, leaving at 11, um, just a really, really physically demanding schedule. And, and that to be released and free of that mm. was to me, um, so liberating and it felt again, so much healthier. I was able to sleep. I was able to go to the gym and, and I've been very athletic my entire life and I wasn't able yeah. to, to even exercise or move. So to me, um, it was cathartic. I, I was, um, I felt, um, that I, again, that I was liberated in a way, but of course, I guess to your point, I really didn't feel like I needed that label of, of being an investment banker anymore. Mm. Um, I kind of felt that a lot of people were doing it for the wrong reasons. And, um, the very few that were doing it because they really, really enjoyed it. I was so happy for them. Um, but I was also of the understanding that a lot of people were doing it for the wrong reasons, for the the um, the financial gain, for the the status, for the recognition, and I just wasn't interested in that. Yeah, because I guess that as as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people are trapped in that. I have certainly been in that position um, as as well as you. Would you say that's something that you know, detaching from that? definition of success or society's definition of success, you know, whether it be the title or the, 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 the money or, um, you know, the lifestyle, whatever that may be detaching from that and pursuing more of our soul's calling that can be a really easy process or it can be quite difficult. I guess it, you know, it, it could take time. It, it, it maybe it might, might be an overnight thing. What would you say to someone who is maybe you know, 30 years old in investment banking, um, they're not really sure of whether this is the long-term thing. They've made some money, but they, they're also worried about what could happen if they left. You know, what, 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 what is, was there anything you'd say to, or maybe it might just be to the younger version of you, right? What would you say to that younger version of you? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great question. You know, I think when you were sending me some bullet points for this conversation. One of them was about fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think a lot of this is rooted in that, this idea that uh, we do fear not being associated with the masses or what yeah. the masses might think. And fear of being who you truly are and having others see it. Um, the fear of doing something and feeling alone Mm. because you will will be truly alone if you do what your soul tells you because your soul is a unique thing. 
Mm. And we all can completely unique. And what I found is being able to overcome your fears is truly the key to that liberation that you're talking about, being able to say, this is what I don't want mm. and it's okay. And um, that takes a lot of the inner work and it takes true yeah. strength um, from a mental um, perspective and um, a, a spiritual, um, I think in a way, connection where you understand that the world is is here. You know, the world has got you, universe has got you, you're okay. Um, but you just got to do this and be different and, and, and follow that path. And and that's okay. And I think that's the really hard, um, that, that, that's the hard thing for people to, to struggle with and can't overcome. Yeah. It's, I love what you said, because there's two things that, that you said. Um, number one, when you left investment banking, it felt like a huge relief. And, I, and every single time um, I make a decision, when, when when I let go of something, when I let go of a project that's no longer serving me, when I let go of something that's you know draining my energy, it always feels like a relief. And it always teaches me, actually, this is me coming back into alignment. The more I do that, the more I let go, the more I kind of give up things which I don't need right now, or the more I take on things and it's a relief. Um, it, it all it, it, that 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 relief that word is is huge because the more I have relief in my life, the more I'm in alignment, and it feels so good at the time. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with you knowing who you truly are, yeah. and who you truly are isn't Jane Neal. It isn't mm. where you live. It isn't the great T-shirt you're wearing. It isn't how much money is in your wallet. It has nothing to do with any of the th- things we measure ourselves by mm. in the external world. And, you know, once you get, can get to that place, that's also freedom, Yeah, freedom to know that you aren't these quantifiable, measurable yes. ideas. Yeah, I love that. And we're, we're definitely going to be coming into that because that's definitely something which I'd love to discuss with you. And the second thing I just wanted to say there, as you mentioned, is um, the the whole idea of letting go of the fear. And so one thing which um, I've seen in, in people like us who have taken on this journey of following a path that's true for them, it's as you mentioned, they've let go of the fear, which may, which I guess resides in, in, in the mind and they've gone into their own hearts. They've, they've done the inner work you mentioned that, that is, you know, looking within um, and they've chosen love over fear. And every single time, like, especially you, you also said, it, the, the journey can be very lonely. Yeah. Um, when you leave some, when you leave the masses, um, you you start something yourself. You take your own path, which hasn't been created for you. you. You're actually creating it as you go along. That's right. And it can be extremely lonely. And you that, that but the more that we choose love, the easier it becomes. And, and again, most people won't understand. Um, and I've said I, even today, like sometimes I I find myself in circles, and I, I feel like. Um, I don't belong there. And I think that this, this need to belong as well is, is something which is obviously ingrained in us as human beings in, in, in the survival um, of, of sure. our species. Um, but I was just, I'm just riffing on that because what you've said is, is, yeah, it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. You, 
obviously, and you, your mission right now. So you, obviously, you, you mentioned you have the Common Free podcast. Um, yeah, do, you, do you want to share a bit about what you do now? Then we can go on to a, a bit more about that as well. Yeah. Well, you also mentioned um, that you wanted to speak a little bit about this calm mind idea. Yes. You know, I think um, this idea is is so profound because we don't realize that our minds, when not calm, it drives us to behave and to think and make decisions in the world that aren't from a place of personal peace yeah. and personal contentment. And at the end of the day, peace, happiness, contentment is the true success. Mm. If you're, you are measuring success by people like Elon Musk or people who um, might have garnered a lot of fame and fortune in the world, we still have seen so many examples of people like that who can't find peace. They can't find their inner, internal peace. They're taking pills. They're working with psychiatrists. They have um, demons that they are also mm. working with. And that's the backstory that no one ever sees. So I think this idea of kind of redefining success as a calm, happy, contented mind mm. is, is truly um of most importance in today's world. And when you have a calm mind, you are able to free yourself from fear. You're able to free yourself from your monkey mind that is telling you that you need more of this, you're craving more of this, and your susceptibility to cravings is what really the Buddhist um, idea around suffering is is suffering because you are constantly craving and unable mm. to to deal with this uh, constant wanting, needing, craving. So once you can get your mind to that state, you can better love. And you mentioned that love, that idea of loving not just yourself but even loving others being able to draw have your behavior in the world be driven by your desire to help other people the collective as opposed to the individual and we're very stuck today in me myself and I mm. everything is about just how can I be better how can I be this how can I get this how can I be seen as this and this idea of when you find that calm you are so strong mm -hmm. that you are able to help others. You are so, it, it's, it's counterintuitive, but peace is actually strength as opposed to any kind of physical strength or, or force that's shown in the world. Peace is mm -hmm. the strongest force. Mm -hmm. So when you have that, that idea of compassion that the Dalai Lama talks about, that is now your superpower mm -hmm. and so many religions and traditions in the world have taught us that service seva helping mm -hmm. others is truly the the purpose of life and mm -hmm. uh, the the shortest road to happiness yeah beautiful so beautifully said what would you define as a calm mind yeah i would say 
free from from the ego, the monkey mind, the the, the little monkey that's sitting on your shoulder, uh, mm. trying to to dissuade or persuade you into succumbing to cravings. And what I mean mm. by cravings is desires. Again, desire for external measures of success. Mm. And for so many of us, that's followers on social media. That's how how many people know that we are this title. Um, being able to have a business card that says this, um, being able to tell your family that you are this, or you were just promoted to this. And all of that is part of what the monkey mind is driving us to do. So the calm mind is one that has dispassion. It has the ability to be unperturbed without the waves, just a still calm ocean and being able to stay that way in the ups and the downs. Mm. Um, So I I truly describe it as a safe place. When you're calm, when your mind is calm, you feel truly safe and grounded and your cup instead of being empty is Mm. completely full and completely overflowing. Yeah. And again, that comes from practice um, and also awareness, number one, of what your mind is is telling you to do. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here if, if, if yeah. you're open to that. If, if, if I'm a busy executive that, you know, runs a 500-person company and what you've just stated there and, and, and I said, well, what, I've, I've got revenue targets to hit. I've got, I've got people that I, I need to make perform at a high level. I've, and I need to lead these people. Like if, if, you know, if I were to just work on my calm mind all day and not actually do anything, would those targets get met? Will the business grow? What would you t- say to someone like that yeah number one it doesn't take more than 10 minutes 20 minutes at the most and the the work might might take a while six months a year a couple years many years where you're reading in bed at night you're you're reading the right books you are talking to the right people you are thinking in the right way, that all becomes automatic. I mean, some of the biggest, most successful, most um, busy executives, CEOs, leaders in the world already have that ingrained in them. They already have a calm mind. They're not doing anything. So what they're doing at, at their jobs to increase all these targets and manage their staff that is from a calm mind from a space of of that already and and you see many of those companies have sustainable success um airbnb is one of them i see those those leaders to me are looking more at the collective as opposed to the individual um 
you know, there's so many examples in the world of, of leadership um, mm-hmm. that has uh, a calm mind that, uh, again, this doesn't require being a monk yeah. um, or going to an ashram or a temple. Um, this is, this is in available to everyone um, in, in any pursuit of life. Yeah. Beautiful. Because I think that's, that's where a lot of people I speak to can get mixed up with this. Yes, you mentioned having a calm mind for happiness, contentment, inner peace, um, to decrease anxiety and, you know, and, and to live a contented life. But also, I would even argue that high performance comes from a calm mind. 100%. Like revenue, would, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Percent. Um, Novak Djokovic, for example, yeah. is a big meditator. You will see a lot of of athletes um, meditate. Um, yeah. The highest performing athletes uh, use these techniques. Um, like business people, um, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and the calm mind is the performance is the high performance mind. Yeah. So what we don't want this podcast to be is about preaching about meditation and any, any, any particular way of living, but more so just experiment to see what works for you. And it could just be five minutes in the morning going for a walk and seeing how that impacts your day. Um, personally, for me and everyone that's, you know, that, that I, I, I work with, a lot of the times, five to 10 minutes in the morning can just make them that slightly less reactive and more creative in in the day they don't react to an email but actually and, and so they they focus less on the problem and they focus on the solution so imagine having 500 people in your organization coming from a place of creation over reaction solution focused over problem focused which can all be happening just from a, a, a calmer mind imagine what that could do to revenue profits productivity and reputation right 100 percent. yeah and and these small changes have exponential powers. And like you said, they can be done within minutes, just a, a slight change of mind. You know, Voltaire said, having a happy attitude is the most important thing that you can do. The most important decision you can make yeah. is to be happy. The, you know, so many philosophers have talked about just slight changes of attitude yeah, and what that can do. And the beautiful thing with that is that's completely in our control, that decision to be happy or to be calm. Um, and obviously it takes practice, but it's completely in our control. And then the, at that time, the external world cannot get to the internal world within us, right? 100%. And, and this, the Stoics have talked about this. Yeah. We have seen so many uh, cultures, philosophers, traditions across thousands of years talk about the same exact thing, mm. this idea that we are in control. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, your podcast is called the Calm and Free podcast. And we, we, we talked about freedom, like yes. uh, briefly in, in this conversation. What would you define as freedom? Yeah, I think freedom, you know, I, I wrote something down um, to suggest a good definition of it. Sadhguru is um, another um, 
Indian philosopher who talks a lot about these ideas. He says, when we begin responding instead of reacting, that's the beginning of freedom. Um, this idea of, of response over reacting, of course, is back to this idea of control. Um, the other thing, of course, is freedom from fear. Um, mm. All kinds of fear the monkey mind creates, um, the liberation from that. And true freedom to me is equanimity, being mm. able to be equanimous, again, dispassionate in, in situations. And that's not saying that you have to be um, stoic and mm. unemotional and cold. It's, it's really understanding that life is always changing. Your ups are never up forever. Your mm. downs are never down forever. Life is literally moving as we speak up and down all the time. So your ability to realize that your feelings come and go, um, your successes come and go, mm. um, all of this comes and goes. Um, you're not going to be up forever. Michael Jordan was not up forever. Yes. Um, there are people who are just, um, who just have to, to understand that the world is is about change and to embrace that change i think that's freedom yeah beautifully said i love that because it really comes down to what what i'm hearing is freedom really is a state of mind it is yeah yeah you know when i was younger i thought you know freedom really comes comes from financial freedom like that that's why yeah, I achieved sure. and I think a lot of people and do, it does to a certain yeah. extent let's be realistic um yeah. you know we come from uh, advent uh, a place of of advantage vis-a-vis yeah. so many billions of other people in this world yeah um our survival needs are met and once yeah. you get to meeting your survival needs and you've got some extra cushioning you can go on vacation you can do yeah. the thing that um, you want to do in life um, to a certain degree that's met um, without being overly uh, overly frivolous and um, abundant, then you can say, you know, I've, I've met these financial um, targets. Um, mm. And now let me work on that other freedom mm. that we're talking about now we do have to to be real in the fact that we all need financial freedom mm. 100% especially in our world today mm. but mm. there are limits to that and um of course you get to a, a point where you say you know does this uh, next house does this next car mean mm. as much to me mm. as um, my peace of mind. Does this next piece of Cartier jewelry do anything more for me? Does this next watch do any more? And 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 once you can get to that point, um, you can find that freedom. Yeah, beautiful. What comes to me is um, the word detachment, because having you know one one you know as once you get to a certain point, yes, I mean a, a lot of us are living in the Western world, listening to this podcast, and we we have you know a privilege compared to I guess most of the world, right? Who, yes. Who may, who may not have that? We we get food on the table, etc. Um, it can then be very easy to then attach our success to external. You know, it, it might be financial wealth, or it could be you know cars or jewelry, or whatever. Um, 
it's like freedom. If if we're if we're continuing to attach our our worth or our sense of success to these external things, is that really freedom? Because then you just keep on chasing things all the time to to then prove yourself. Is that really freedom? Like that's not really self expression. You know that true freedom is the ability to be, express yourself who you really are and um, and not 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 need and something to then prove it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, hundred percent. It's beautifully said, and and I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is mm-hmm. believing that happiness comes with the next best thing. Yeah, and I think we're programmed in a way um, in this side of the world to believe and hope that tomorrow is going to be better, which is great because yeah. hope is so important, faith is so important, but to believe that happiness resides in tomorrow is yeah. incorrect. Yeah, happiness is yeah. now. And with, with yeah. what you have now. Yeah, beautiful. And I'm, I'm not going to be here and, and pretend like I'm completely there because there are times in my life where I I, I, I find myself chasing. It's, it's, it's much, I've, I've worked on this over the last few years and it's much less doubt than it was in, you know, five years ago. But every single time I do that, I have to notice it, I'll be aware of it. And then I slow myself down. We were talking before we recorded about walking in nature. Every single time I find myself chasing, I have, I, I just get myself out and go for a walk or I slow down my mind and come back home to who I really am. Then I reset and restart again. Um, Cause it's, I think it's a constant journey. Like just having this calm and free mind isn't something that happens overnight. And it's also not something that you happens once and it's there for the rest of your life. It's like a daily practice, isn't it? Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. It is. It is a daily practice. And you think about some of the movies that we've seen in uh, where they're portraying older generations where you're reading the Bible. Well, even today, people read the Bible every night or they read mm. a spiritual text every night. What is that for? It's mm. to, again, continue that practice. The people meditate religiously every day for the idea, the same exact idea of continuing that practice. It's all about practice staying in that every day and not getting off the wagon. And um, I think once you do that and you get off the wagon, you realize how much, how important it is to stay on it. Yeah. Beautiful. So final question for me is um, you've obviously interviewed numerous authors and thought leaders um, and really interesting people on, on your podcast. What, are your three most profound learnings or takeaways or insights from your guests on the journey of you hosting the podcast? Yeah, I think number one is we are all grappling with the same issues. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the same idea of kind of seeking happiness, seeking contentment versus being able to have it within you. Um, that's this constant thread, um, that I've seen throughout all of my guests. Um, and, and I've really enjoyed speaking with those who talk about compassion. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that is so key. And back to that idea of collective versus individual, I think today from kind of, um, an Eagle's view, looking at the world, this idea of being able to be strong enough to help your neighbor, to help someone that you care about, to be able to direct 
your thoughts towards the uplifting of someone else. Mm. I think that is is so is is so beautiful, so profound, and so urgent in our world today is looking into doing something that is greater than your own self, being selfless in a very mm. selfish, selfish world. Yeah. So I've really learned a lot from, from talking to some of my guests who um, who understand and are able to teach these Buddhist principles. Yeah. I, I'm smiling because um, when you were saying that, what, what came to me is, you know, being selfless, sometimes for me, it can be the most selfish thing to do because it makes me feel so good. Ah, so many people, and absolutely, you know, um, James Doty, who is um, uh, head of the C-Care uh, um, organization here at Stanford University, yeah. he talks about how compassion is actually one of the healthiest things you can do in your 100%. life. Brings down your blood pressure, your inflammation. Um, science has shown that inflammation is reduced um, when you are more compassionate, when you are caring for others. Um, you become more in your rest and digest mode. Your parasympathetic nervous system is tapped into versus yeah. your sympathetic, your fight or flight mode, which most of us are in constantly. Mm -hmm. so it is. It feels good yeah. to be that way. And it truly is good from a scientific standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I, 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 that was meant to be my final question, but I guess my final question, my, my really final question is, we, we obviously we talked about your definition of success and, you, and you, it was always changing and it, it is always changing. Yeah. But given where you are right now, you've obviously been through the journey of a beautiful family. Um, you are now, you know, you host this podcast and you're speaking to these awesome guests. Um, what is your definition of success now? And you've also, you're, you're an avid reader with a lot of wisdom texts and spiritual texts. You know, what is your definition of, of success with where you are right now in life? Yeah, well, um, I have written it down. I've, I've thought about it a lot. Um, somebody who's inspired me about this definition is coach John Wooden, who was mm. a legendary coach of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yeah. Um, at UCLA, and his teachings have went on to um, impact coaches like Steve Kerr yeah. um, of of the Warriors. Um, he always said that success was peace of mind. So peace of mind to him was success, and I would say peace of mind in knowing that I gave my one hundred percent in a dis disciplined way. We still need discipline. We still need rigor. We still need to, to pursue and chase our excellence. And, and that is what the Greeks, ancient Greeks talked about. So this idea of being disciplined, being routine every day, um, but doing that in a joyful way and doing it with the purpose of uplifting others every day, mm. that would be my definition of success. Um, Beautiful. And then being able to, I think at the end of the day, let go let go of what you didn't achieve, let go of everything. Um, you know, being able to surrender and have a really great night's sleep is, yeah. is, is also um, part of all this. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing what you shared today and jumping on the podcast. If people were interested in your work and your podcast, um, where would they find you? And obviously we'll, we'll link everything in, in the podcast notes as well. 
Yeah, of course. Poojamodel.com, my website, commonfreepodcast.com. Um, you can see me on social channels, LinkedIn. Um, I usually write essays uh, beginning in the fall. Yeah, they're really good. Two weeks. Um, so you can see those on my website, um, on LinkedIn, and um, working on a newsletter and, and some other goodies coming up in the fall. So, yeah. Amazing. Yes, I, I read your newsletters and, and they're really cool and, and insightful. So I will definitely... Um, plug all, all those below in, 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 the, in the podcast show notes. So uh, thank you so much, Pooja. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much, Genial. Such a pleasure. Thank you.